The Mayborn Literary Nonfiction Conference, now in its 15th year, brings together hundreds of journalists, writers, readers, students, and educators to share their stories, experiences, and expertise in an effort to inspire others. One of those journalists is Michael Mooney, a UNT journalism alum and co-director of the conference. The theme of this year's Mayborn event, which took place in late July, was justice in America, a topic Mooney knows well. He's covered crime and social justice for magazines ranging from Texas Monthly to D Magazine to GQ, and has been featured in the anthology of the best American crime reporting. He's the author of Texas Monthly's August cover story and also writes sports and culture articles for publications such as ESPN the Magazine, Rolling Stone, and Popular Mechanics. On this episode of UNT Pod, Mooney speaks with Monique Bird, discussing everything from the Mayborn Conference and the state of journalism to his simultaneous love of and aversion to Twitter. The Mayborn Literary Nonfiction Conference has a very loyal following. For the journalist who has not been here before, what would be your elevator pitch to them? Oh, yeah, I deal with this a lot. Um, Well, it depends on the journalist they're trying to get a read and figure out exactly what they need that the conference provides because there's always something. Uh, It really is uh, some part summer camp for writers. You know, everybody is stuck in a hotel. Uh, where it's 105 degrees out and we don't leave the hotel for the entire weekend. And that can sound like a Stephen King story, but it's actually a pretty incredible experience um, because you have writers uh, and readers of all levels uh, from stay-at-home uh, moms to people who have full-time other jobs to uh, hard-working journalists trying to scrape together uh, a living to students to uh, professional journalists working at the highest levels and award-winning uh, award winners. Nicole Hannah-Jones is a, is a MacArthur genius. Um, all, all together in one place. Uh, there's also, uh, I mean, it is, there is no conference that is more interesting, more fun, and more dedicated to um, the idea of storytelling, the kind of virtues and values of literary nonfiction, of, of this kind of... Uh, this, this type of journalism that we do, uh, this, sometimes it's long form, sometimes it's, uh, you know, short form, uh, quick stories, but the idea of telling stories in a narrative way that helps connect people, uh, from disparate areas of life that may never encounter each other except for through a story. And, and, and so, I mean, the, the conference, uh, there, I'm a pretty jaded person in a lot of ways. I'm skeptical of an enormous amount of things. Uh, there are very few things that I really, really feel dedicated to uh, advocating for, and the, this conference is one of them. Fifteen years. Yeah, I've been in all fifteen years. Uh, I I was thinking I, I don't know of almost anything else in life that I've done for fifteen years. That's longer than I was in uh, public school, um, and and I still remember them. Uh, really clearly, right? I, I could, if we sat here long enough, I could probably name all the keynotes from that entire time. Um, so many people who uh, have, you know, come to the Mayborn and shared their experiences, and so many really interesting, you know, spontaneous moments. I think it was 2007 when Joyce Carol Oates was on the podium talking that Saturday night, 
and Nan Talese, Gay Talese's wife, and uh, and a you know one of New York's biggest editors, uh, had uh, just uh, decided she answered a question that was directed towards Joyce Carol Oates. She stood up and asked for the microphone and went on a long rant about Oprah because uh, her client James Fry had just been on Oprah and Oprah uh, kind of uh, torched him pretty uh, pretty publicly. Uh, over a lot of lies that were in a, in a memoir that he had called nonfiction. And uh, Nantalee stood up and talked about, I will never forget the quote, the sanctimoniousness of Oprah Winfrey. Um, and it was just, I mean, it, it, in if that had happened in 2018 or 2019, that would be the only thing Twitter was talking about for days. Um, well, at least for hours. Take me back to the vision when the, per- the conference first began. What was what was the thinking behind starting something? This is an amazing venture. What was the, the thinking behind starting this venture? And is has it gone to where you guys thought it would initially? So uh, the the visionaries originally were George Getchow, uh, Dr. Mitch Land, who was um, uh, in charge of the Mayborn Institute, I think it was called at the time. Um, Jim Maroney uh, from uh, the Dallas Morning News and uh, Sue Mayborn herself. And the idea was a conference where people could come together and discuss um, the ways that they went about putting together uh, these incredible works of journalism, whether they were books or long magazine stories, or in 2005, uh, the newspaper industry was a lot different than it is now. So a lot of it was about newspapers um, with uh, a couple of other components. So a writing contest component where people could enter on published stories and judges could uh, look at them and award real money. Uh, first place is $3,000, second place is $2,000, and third place is $1,000. Uh, and there's categories for both reported outward-facing stories and personal essays. Um, so the idea was uh, to create a meeting place where all of these things could come together. Um, people could discuss all the issues that they needed to discuss and talk about how they went about doing some of the things that they've done how they overcame the individual challenges that they were faced with uh, when they're working on these projects, because every one of these stories, you start from, from scratch, right? There's no formula. There's no uh, flow chart uh, to write, uh, to write these kinds of things. And when they're, and, and that's why it, you know, it's, it's one of the most human humbling things ever when you really sit in front of a blank page and you have to figure out what the first sentence is going to be and then the next sentence and the next sentence and so on. Um, it can be incredibly humbling. And so getting together, the idea was getting together a lot of people who could talk about those kinds of challenges uh, in a way that was not really being discussed. Uh, and, and I think, you know, there are other conferences that have kind of come and gone and uh, other conferences that are similar or, or at least get at similar topics. Uh, but there's still nothing, I think, that gets at that kind of uh, communal feeling uh, that the original uh, founders were thinking about. This idea of long-form narrative storytelling, it takes a lot of resources. It does. And journalism has a few challenges these days. How do you guys deal with that? So everybody does. Everybody deals with it differently. Um, some publications have cut a lot of people. Uh, publications like the New York Times and Washington Post uh, and the LA Times have added a lot of writers recently. Um, budget constraints are uh, a kind of a constant consideration on 
uh, how do you dedicate a person or a team to one thing over uh, a, a, a long period of time? How do you balance the need for daily content and almost every outlet needs daily content now uh, with the uh, concept of doing long form things that went that a lot of work went into um, you know and even just the price of paper right there's all sorts of financial considerations um, and I, I wish that I had the answers for it um, you've seen a lot of people you know, there are some solutions and, and people are, are looking at a couple of different models. A lot of magazines and, and have tried to uh, absorb the movie rights and TV show rights of stories um, to help balance the budgets, uh, although a lot of that comes from the writers now. Um, uh, a lot of companies have started that are based on creating stories that they know will become movies or TV shows, uh, which is really interesting and cool. But, you know, that, that doesn't solve all the problems either. Um, you know, the, a lot of publications have live events. A lot of publications uh, are doing more advertorial. They're just looking for various other uh, streams of income. Um, and, uh, and, and it's hard to say exactly who's figured it out. Uh, as soon as it looks like somebody's figured it out, then, you know, uh, they pretend, that outlet potentially struggles. Um, I'm actually, because I'm a full-time freelancer, I'm in touch with a lot of different publications. And so I get to see a lot of the different kind of approaches and, uh, and it's really interesting. Um, and it's, it's actually really fun to, it's kind of inspiring to be around so many people who are trying to solve this problem as, as tiring and, and, uh, and frustrating as it can be. I think I would be remiss if I did not mention Twitter. I feel like Twitter, that's a little, yeah. the bonus you get with the conference. I noticed last year that um, the Mayborn Literary Nonfiction Conference was trending for our region, <laughs> at least yeah. dur during the duration of the conference. What are some of the conversations that happen on Twitter that, that just kind of occurred at this time? I have, I have a very mixed feelings uh, relationship with Twitter in general. Um, in some ways, I feel like it's one of the most destructive uh problems, you know, uh, factors in our society, uh, for journalism in particular. Um, it's, it can be incredibly divisive. It can be addictive. It's like being at a strange party where some people might be making jokes and right across the room, somebody's chanting about their own rights and it's hard to see exactly how it all fits together. And it's kind of, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden a couple of hours are gone from your day now. Um, it's also, it can be, uh, incredibly useful, right? I encounter all sorts of stories that I would never otherwise, uh, through Twitter. And the conference now actually has a six word, uh, contest where we try to do, uh, where, uh, if you're registered, you can submit a six word, uh, nonfiction story. Uh, this year will be criminal justice uh, as a theme. And the, and on Sunday morning, we get some judges together and the person who the judges pick as the best story actually gets a free registration to the next conference, the 2020. So we couldn't do that. I mean, we could do that without Twitter. It would be just much more difficult, and we probably wouldn't without Twitter. Um, so uh, it's also interesting to see the kind of simultaneous conversations that are going on uh, through Twitter, right? What uh, people who are not at the conference but kind of following along from a distance get to see. Um, which is some interesting aspect of it, but certainly, you know, a, a small percentage of the overall experience. 
Um, and sometimes things are taken completely out of context. And sometimes uh, there's people asking questions on Twitter that I really wish they had been in the room to ask. Um, uh, so, yeah, I would say it's a, a mixed relationship. It, it's it's tough. Uh, there are pros and cons. Uh, there's probably not a day that goes by that I don't think I should probably get off Twitter and never get on ever again. Um, and uh, And that's the day that that's the time of day that some interesting joke happens or, or, you know, I come across some interesting story that I wouldn't have otherwise, or, or connect with some writer uh, who's doing really great work that I might not have otherwise known. What am I not asking? Um, I don't know. You've been to the conference. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, I love it. So <laughs> what do you like about it? I love everything. I really love the opportunity to just kind of listen behind the scenes and really get to see the various journalists' insights into how they build and create a story and bring it to life. And, and it's, it's a really nice way because a lot of times you read these amazing stories like the Monopoly story. You know, that was one that I, I read. And you as a reporter or a journalist, you may not see yourself as someone who could do that. But when they break it down, you really say, you know what, maybe I could do that. I really, I see kind of the steps that they, t- they took. And that's one of the things that um, you don't get from every speaker, but I think you get a little bit from most of the speakers speakers a little bit of that insight into how they um, how they brought that story to life so to speak yeah I think that that really is, that's one of the things I like the most about it is it really makes this work seem accessible um, and it also you know there's a there's a thing that you get to see at the conference uh, that that we just don't otherwise talk about very much in society which is like kind of the heart kind of the work and uh, and dedication that goes into this kind of work because there's not that much money. You know, the reason people do these these kinds of stories uh, is because they really, really like storytelling. They really, really like sharing uh, aspects of the world and characters that readers or viewers or listeners may otherwise never encounter. And that's just really exciting. I want to ask a follow-up to that, um, the awards. Yeah. Because I don't know that I would be able to pick. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... You know, a, a journalism awards are, are a strange concept, right? We put, uh, our society puts a lot of value into them. And I'm somebody who has been awarded things and, and had stories selected for various things. And at the time, it's a really cool feeling. Um, and you have to remind yourself, even then, like, this is a totally subjective thing. Um, I have had, I've also been a judge and... It is really difficult when you're talking about the difference between a really good story and a really and a story that is not necessarily as good uh, or even two really good stories. And you try to pick between the two of them like these are the word subjective isn't even isn't even exactly right. They're like ethereal concepts that are very difficult to even put into words. You know why you like something has more to do with your own life experience and and uh, your own personal beliefs, probably than the craft and technique that went into that story. Um, so it, I thank our judges every year, um, and, and I've done it, and it is incredibly challenging. Um, and one of the fears is that some really good story slips through the cracks, uh, uh, or, you, you know, it, it's, it's just tough because everybody who has had their stories judged understands the emotion that goes into that, right or wrong. Um, I had a story that uh, I submitted to the contest when I was a student in 2007 that did not make the top 10 and then later was uh, uh, 
purchased by D Magazine and ran in D Magazine. And then that story appeared in the anthology Best American Crime Reporting. So it wasn't in our top 10, but it ended up in, in Best American Crime Reporting. So judging is completely, you know, it, it it's not random exactly, but it is um, it is flawed, right? The concept uh, is tough. It's also just the best we can do, right? We can't have robots judge them. We can't, like, just do it by word length. Um, so, I mean, I think about it every day. What's the difference between a really good story and a great story? What's the difference between a story I like and I don't like? Um, you know, how, how do you even judge that on any level, let alone a level that results in people getting thousands of dollars or not? Thanks for listening to UNT Pod. If you want to learn more about Mooney, check out our previous North Texan feature about him at northtexan.unt.edu slash content slash journalism dash best dash of. And visit michaeljmooney.com to read some of his best stories. Also, feel free to share your own Mayborn experiences by connecting with us on Twitter at UNT Social or on Instagram at UNT. Bye. Bye. Bye.